Well, hello, and welcome back to Devos with Dee. I'm Pastor Dee, and I'm from the Heights Church. And we're going to be talking about a mature theme tonight. So if you have little children with you, it might be good to put them to bed or send them off to play in another room. I, it's nothing that's going to be uh, ungodly, but it is a strictly adult topic. And so I just wanted to throw up that flag for you ahead of time. So before you dive in, you're aware of that. Also, I want to tell you about some upcoming things. Next week, we're going to have a guest teacher and that person will continue with the series. And then the following week is Thanksgiving week, which is two weeks from now. And there will be another guest teacher. And I am excited. You're going to really enjoy them. And not only that, we're going to learn something because they are excellent teachers. And not only will you be learning something, I will be learning something. So praise God for that. I'm excited that they would even uh, be willing to teach on this particular channel. So stick, stick by for that. Stick, stay tuned. Um, make sure that you don't say, well, D isn't going to be there. I'm just going to shuffle off and do other things. No, stick around and hear these speakers uh, in these upcoming weeks. And so I'm very excited. So let's get right into our lesson. And it's what the Bible says about abortion. And it's what our mothers never told us. So we're going to get into this lesson tonight. I pray that you will do further study and not just accept what I'm saying. Always know that I'm going to research as hard as I can in all avenues possible, and especially the Bible. And don't just accept what I say. Again, I, I just wanted you to know a lot of times people want you to tell them exactly how to think. Well, I'm not going to do that. You need to think for yourself. As Christians, we need to be able to take and gather information and make a sound decision based on biblical principles and precepts. So I encourage you not to just want to be spoon fed. I know I get a lot of that. Um, you just need to spill it and tell us, you know, what to think. Nope, not going to do it. Not going to ever do it. So I suggest that maybe you need to tune into another channel where they just kind of tell you what to think, because I'm not going to do that. I'm going to share what I know so that you know more, I learn more, and then we're going to keep digging. That way we know how to answer questions that are put to us. So again, I'm so glad you're here with me. I'm glad you're staying tuned. I know these are hard topics. I know there are probably hot buttons, and they might even press your button tonight, but stay tuned. So why is this subject important? It's important because babies are dying. Not only that, women are dying. And we want people to know the truth. I want you to know the truth. Also, this practice, abortion, is contrary to God's precepts and principles in Scripture. Listen to this quote from Tertullian, who was an apologist. He was a theologian. He was an author and historian in 210 AD. And he said this, and I think it's really critical. So listen up. To hinder a birth is merely a speedier killing of a man. Nor does it matter whether you take a life that is born or destroy one that is preparing to be born. It is a human if it is going to be a human. You already have the fruit in its seed. So even though they call it fetal tissue and they call it a blob and they call it other things, it's a human because 
in its seed, it will be a human. So again, why talk about abortion? Why are we doing this on a biblical channel um, where, you know, people are talking about the Bible? Because we need to know how to address it. I've said it before. I say it again. People are going to ask us questions and they're going to want to know your opinion on this. And you can't just opt out. You need to know how to be, you know, speak to it in a way that's seasoned with grace, seasoned with salt but not aggressive, not harsh, but you want to speak to the issue. So we're going to talk about abortion because abortion, I hate to say it, but it's common in the church and it's certainly common outside of the church. You said, don't say that, Pastor D, but it's true. People in the body are having abortions. And also, I want to reduce the shame that's associated with having had an abortion. I want you to know that legalization, uh, you know, there are laws out there saying that people can go have an abortion. Legalization doesn't stop illegal butchery. Yes, people are going to non-physicians still to have abortions. They're also trying to abort the baby on their own by doing certain techniques. Women still die from illegal abortions. And not a lot of people think about that, but there are post-op physical and mental complications from abortion. So what does that term abortion mean? A medical definition is termination of pregnancy before the fetus is viable. A medical or, or a dictionary definition, I should say, is the deliberate termination of a human pregnancy most often performed during the first 28 weeks of pregnancy. In 2019, New York signed a bill allowing non-doctors to perform abortions and allowing abortions past 24 weeks, which is six months, meaning they can have abortions all the way up to nine months gestation. And that is a fully developed infant. And that's supposedly based on viability of the fetus, according to a medical practitioner's decision. No consents are required. According to the CDC from their 2018 statistics, 65% of abortions were performed within the first eight weeks of pregnancy. Only about 1% were done after 21 weeks. Yet in New York City, 2.3% of abortions were done after 21 weeks. Abortion is more commonly used as a synonym for induced abortion or the deliberate interruption of pregnancy as opposed to miscarriage, which connotates a spontaneous or natural loss of a fetus. Let's look a little bit at a historical background. A prescription for abortion can be found in an Egyptian papyrus dating back to the 16th century BC. The only people in the ancient Near East who explicitly condemned it were the Assyrians, believe it or not. So why do women have abortions? Dr. Don Stacy and Dr. Anita Sedati did a study, and here are the top reasons. The first one, it's it's partner related. 
It means that the relationship is bad or it's new and that woman doesn't want to be a single mother. Her partner is not supportive or does not want the baby or is abusive or is the wrong guy. The second reason is finances. They say they're not financially prepared. And then there are multiple other situations or reasons. Um, one of them is bad timing because they're not ready or it's unplanned. Let's look a little bit at abortion statistics. LifeNews.com, who got their stats from World of Meters, in America, just under 1 million babies are aborted every year. Though abortion rates have been dropping in the past decade, abortion remains the leading cause of death in the United States. And that's over cancer. An estimated 61 million unborn babies have been killed in abortions in the United States since Roe versus Wade in 1973. So I mentioned before that there are complications, there are post-op complications from abortion. The most common complication is infection. And it's usually caused by lacerations, perforations, or retained tissue. It can be caused by unsterile conditions because they're going out having illegal abortions, or it can be from an existing infection such as venereal disease that is spread or made worse. There are some rare complications, and these are definitely serious. Blood clots, embolism, and negative anesthesia reactions. So there are deaths that are related to having abortions. How many maternal deaths? Let's look at chemical abortions. And that ha that's related to the morning after pill. Chemical abortions are often assumed to be safer, but the risk of complication is four times greater than with surgical abortions. At least one in 20 women require surgical completion due to hemorrhage, failed abortion, or retained pregnancy tissue. Let's look at people of color or women of color. Black women have a 330% higher risk of maternal mortality compared to white women. Not coincidentally, they are also 370% more likely to end their pregnancies in abortion because abortion clinics target the poor and they target minority women, not only um, Black women, but Latino, etc. There are approximately 68,000 deaths, as well, as well as they can calculate, from illegal abortions. And here's a special note that I want you to think about. Abortion numbers, complications, and deaths are voluntarily reported and incomplete. Only 28 states require abortionists to report any complications. Thus, many United States maternal deaths go unreported to the CDC for investigation. European studies say this. They've documented that 94% of abortion-related deaths were not reported as such on death certificates, and that a woman is far more likely 
to remain alive a year after the delivery of a live child than after an abortion. It's pretty scary, these statistics. And we want to keep people safe. We want women to be safe. So they need to know the facts. Francis Schaeffer, who is a theologian and Presbyterian pastor, he said this, every Christian ought to be praying and working to nullify abortion laws, abortion laws, excuse me. But as we work and pray, we should have in mind not only this important issue, rather, we should be struggling and praying that this godless worldview be rolled back with all its results across all of life. So we've talked a little bit about statistics and things that are going on related to abortion. What does the Bible say? Now, you have to know that the Bible doesn't specifically use the word abortion in Scripture. But let's still dig into Scripture. We're going to be in the NASB, the New American Standard Bible. Let's look at first Genesis 2.7. Then the Lord God formed man of the dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. Jeremiah 1 and 5. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, and before you were born, I consecrated you. I have appointed you a prophet to the nations. So he was, God was talking to Jeremiah, but you know what? God's talking to us. He has appointed us for a certain time and place, and he has an assignment for us. He has appointed us. Psalm 139, verses 13 through 15. For you form my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. So God knows us even in the womb. He knows us as we are being knit together. Job 10 verses 8 through 12. Your hands fashioned me and made me all together. And would you destroy me? Remember now that you have made me as clay. And would you turn me into dust again? Did you not pour me out like milk and curdle me like cheese, clothe me with skin and flesh, and knit me together with bones and sinews? You have granted me life and loving kindness, and your care has preserved my spirit. Job 33 and 4. The Spirit of God has made me, and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. Isaiah 42 and 5. Thus says God, the Lord, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and its offspring, who breathes or who gives breath to the people on it and spirit to those who walk in it. Isaiah 44 and 2. Thus says the Lord who made you, and formed you from the womb, who will help you. Do not fear, O Jacob, my servant, and you, Jeshurun, whom I have chosen. The Lord formed us in our mother's womb. It's the hand of the Lord that was on us. 
He's our creator. No one else has life and death in their hands except God. And we should not think that we can take that out of his hand. Psalm 127 and 3. Behold, children are a gift of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Ronald Reagan, our 40th president of the United States, said, unless and until it can be proven that the unborn child is not a living entity, then its right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness must be protected. Here are my final thoughts. The first one is, and this is a tough one, abortion is murder. We can't get around it. There's no way to wrap it in a good wrapping or there's no way to make it seem better than it is. Abortion is murder. The second thing is the Bible does not sanction abortion. The Bible supports life and the continuance of life. And that God, again, is the sustainer of life and he's the giver of life and he's the only one that can take life. The third thing is, as Christ's followers, God's word alone is the final authority for our lives and our faith. We can't listen to uh, media or can't look at magazines or read articles or listen to our neighbor or even our family sometimes if it contradicts the Bible. The Bible is the final authority. We must respect human life. This is my fourth point. As much as we respect God, so we respect each person because they're made in the image of God, because God is the giver of life. God knows every person before they existed, this is my final point, and has a purpose for each life. And I've already said that, but I needed to reinforce it. God knows every person before we even see them. He knows them as they're being knit in the womb. God has a purpose for every life. Now, I want to speak directly to women, and then I'm going to speak to men and the doctors who perform abortions or who have previously performed abortions. I want women to know that the sin of abortion is no less forgivable than any other sin. Through faith in Christ, all sins can be forgiven. In John 3.16, it says there that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God does not want anyone to perish. God sent Jesus so that we could be forgiven, so that we could reestablish relationship with the Father God. Romans 8 says, There is therefore now, and this is verses 1 and 2, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. So any woman who has had an abortion or, or a man, so I'm talking to you men, who has encouraged an abortion, even a doctor who has performed 
an abortion or many abortions can all be forgiven by faith in Jesus Christ. 1 John 1 and 9 tells us that if we confess our sin, if we confess to the Lord Jesus Christ, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. All we have to do is turn to him, to repent, to turn away from what we were doing and turn to Jesus. I want you to know that you don't have to continue in sin. That grace is being extended to you from Jesus Christ, from the Father to Jesus to you. I want you to know that tonight. I want you to know that there is nothing that you've done that the Lord Jesus, if you turn to him, won't forgive you for. Let's pray. Father, I just give you thanks and praise for your word. I thank you, Lord, that it was tough. It's a sharp word, Lord. It, it, it hurts even. I've lost a child. I know what it is to lose someone spontaneously from your womb. Lord, I just give you praise and thanks that you will minister to each and every woman out there who's had an abortion, that you will touch their hearts and minds, that you will encourage them to go on and walk and live a life glorious in you. Lord, I just reach out to the men that may have coerced their wives or coerced a girlfriend into having an abortion. I want you to know that you are can be forgiven. Father, I just thank you and praise you that you are willing and able to forgive, that you love us so much that you don't want us to continue and you don't want us to carry that burden of sin and feel that condemnation. You want to release us from that so we can walk in newness of life that is only found in you. And we give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.